Before I read, let me just say a few things as we come to this uh, part of the Christmas story, which is the story of Jesus. And as uh, we can be thankful for this time of year, uh, Jesus is the subject of, of all the songs, and, uh, and we really want our neighbors to understand that uh, he's also the subject of uh, all of history. And there's kind of two obstacles when people, kind of it's Christmas time, they're, they're thinking about maybe coming back to church or maybe reading the Christmas story in the Bible. And so they get to page one of the New Testament, and this is what they're met with. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of so-and-so was the father of so-and-so. Wow, they're not off to a good start. I just want to hear about Jesus. I want to hear what, what's this big deal about <clears throat> this person who came and who died for the sins of his people and has brought salvation to the world. So they're kind of already daunted by all the detail. And maybe you've been in church a long time. Maybe you've read the story and know the story, and you're still wondering, why, God, too much detail, too much information. Thank you. I I know you have some reasons for that, but I don't understand those reasons. This morning, we're going to delve into the story of Jesus' family tree and discover a story of the gospel, of how God includes the outsiders, and he includes people who, by anyone's estimation, has a life full of shame and how God rewrites that story. So the first obstacle is why so much information? And the second obstacle really is this sense of shame, is I haven't been doing what God says, and I haven't been real keyed in to what God's doing, and I haven't been all about Jesus. Is there any hope for me? Well, the story we're going to look at this morning says that there is hope, even in the worst-case scenarios of people whose pasts are quite colorful. And so we're going to see this morning how God in his grace in the life of Rahab and a few other men and women that we're going to look at leading up to Jesus, that God rewrites the story and that even in the red light district, he brings uh, redemption. So that's really the background and the heart behind uh, us coming to this story of of Rahab, who is great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. So this is amazing. Listen and uh, rejoice with me. It's printed for you here in uh, page four of the worship folder. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. When the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, Rahab came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For you came out of Egypt... Wait, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, 
to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then Rahab let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, <clears throat> you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. And then at the end of the paragraph says, According to your words, so be it, she said. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Wow, a colorful story, Uh, but it's a story of grace. And just a little bit of backstory, so this kind of makes sense, is God has just rescued his people out of Egypt. He's led them through great miracles, as uh, even Rahab told the story perfectly. God dried up the Red Sea so that his people could walk across and be rescued and come into a new land that he had promised them. And this is right as they're coming into the promised land and the first town that they reach is Jericho, and the first, they see the wall, and the first person they meet literally through the spies is Rahab. Why, why does she live on the wall? Well, all business was done out in the market that many times was at the gate of the city, so people could come and they could set up uh, their store there. That's also where all the judgment and kind of the city business took place was everything. All business was done at the gate, including Rahab's business. It was obviously shameful. It was uh, a part of the economy. Uh, She was doing a service, people would say. And uh, so she is obviously an outcast. She lives on the very fringe of society. She can't get any further out of the city without being not one of her people. So she's on the fringe, she's on the outside, she's on the outs, she is uh, shameful. And yet she has a collision with God, a collision with God's world plans to redeem and to bring all kinds of people into uh, his family. And so we we begin to see, uh, even in these little details, uh, how God's amazing grace reaches what we might be tempted to say are amazing sinners. This lady, very clear uh, what's wrong with her. Well, what's wrong with you? You don't put a red light out to advertise what your sin is, or maybe you do. I don't, how, how, the question for us is, how do I advertise what I'm all about? Have I, how do I advertise what has, has a grip on me, that shameful thing? And I want you to answer out loud, although confession is good for the soul, but I want you to think about how many times in polite company and even in church we begin to start to grade types of sinners. 
And what God does in his radical grace is he starts to break down all these artificial uh, categories we have for who's worse, who's better, who can't, who, who is allowed to hope, who is allowed to believe that redemption is for them. And this story says anybody, even the worst of our society, quote unquote, there is hope for them. And so we're going to see three things about faith this morning. And if you're taking notes, I'll just say the three points and then uh, we'll look at them one by one. First of all, faith receives. So it's, it receives a gift. And what is that gift? Faith receives forgiveness for the past. And the second thing we're going to see is faith believes. Faith believes God's promises in the present. And then lastly, we're going to see that faith leaves Faith leaves the future in God's hands. So we're going to see this as we come to see Rahab. And we start to see something wonderful come out of Rahab. And she is faced with a decision. Certain destruction has come upon her city because God is in town. God is doing his work. God is rescuing his people. God is delivering on his promises to bring his people into the promised land. And she has already said, as we see in verses 10 and 11, she says, anybody that meets up with with your God ends up under a pile of rubble, ends up at the point of a sword. And so the most cynical of us will start to say, this lady's a smart lady. She knows how to wheel and deal. She knows how to save her own neck. She's going to say to these guys, don't kill me. I know. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. What kind of deal can I make with you and your God so that I can go free? But there's something more than just her saving her own neck. There's something going on in her heart. What does it say? Our hearts have melted within us. We know what your God is up to. And she is faced with the decision. Do I just stick with my business? Because it's thriving. Do I stick with my people? I'm a Jerichoite. I'm from Jericho. You know, that's my team. Those are my people. Those are my colors. I have to stick with my people. Or she's now faced with this other self, this other people, this other future for her life. And she starts to say, which is it going to be? Am I going to be shaped by my past and my people Right? Am I going to be shaped with what God is doing in the world and God can do for me? And we start to see her heart turning already towards God, saying, God, I've heard how great you are and that you are the God of, of heaven. All these people, all the people of the Canaanites had the God of fire and the God of wind and the God of sun and the God of that tree and the God of that hill and the God of this people. And she has come to see that the God of the Israelites is not just the cool God of of this little nation, but he's the God of everything. He has conquered the superpower of the world, Egypt, and delivered his people. He's tackled the local superpowers of uh, Sihon and Og. Sorry. God can't uh, be matched. God cannot be Fought. And instead of her just saying uncle in the sense of God, do whatever you want to, she is turning towards this God. We're going to come back to point one uh, in a minute, but let's look next at faith believes God's promises in the present. So look at verse eight. She talks to these men. She talks about how she knows what God has done. She knows the story 
of redemption, that God has brought his people out of their slavery in Egypt. She says in verse 12, Now swear to me, make a promise, make an oath, that you will not kill me, you will keep, uh, deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sign. In Scripture, maybe you're wrestling with people who say, God, I believe, but give me a sign. There was Gideon. He was like going to deliver God's people, but he was like hiding in the threshing floor. He's like, God, I know you want me to, to lead, but give me a sign. Moses wants to lead God's people, and he has, has a speech impediment. He's like, give me a sign that you're going to be with us. Abraham says the same thing. What's it... What's with all these wimpy believers? They're just like us, and God knows that. And God doesn't say, you shouldn't need a sign. Come on, do you trust me or not? Well, God honors this faith of this woman, saying, how will I know that you're not just going to stay here tonight, and then you're going to go tell them our location, and then you're going to nuke us and nuke my family too? How will I know that you will bring a redemption to my house. And they said, we swear and do what we've asked you to do and put outside of your window a scarlet cord. And verse 21 says, what? She gathered her family and she put the scarlet cord outside her window. What was that saying? Well, imagine the conversation she had with with her family. Okay, guys, I just ratted us out to the Israelites. They're going to nuke this place, but we are safe. We are safe if we stay in my little house, and we're safe because this little red rope is outside our window. Imagine being part of her family. What would you say? You're crazy. Number one, you're disloyal to us. You would rather be with the Israelites than with us. What's up with that? So imagine being in Rahab's family. So it's whatever you want to do, Rahab. That's, that's cool. But why should you drag us into this? I just want to go about my business. We let you go about your business and don't give you a hard time. Why do you drag us into this? Look what God's doing. He's involving Rahab's family and asking them to think about, do we stick with our people? And that appears safe. It's what we know. It's what we do. It's our culture. You know, it's how we respect our traditions. Or do we stand with Rahab and do we stand living on a promise? And it might pan out, it might not. What are they doing? So they gather in Rahab's house, they, they hang out the scarlet cord, and they wait. They wait for God and God's people to make good on his promise. And what happens? Well, flip over to Joshua uh, 6. But two men who had spied out, this is verse 22, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. 
God kept his promise. The city was burned up, and all in Rahab's house was rescued. What was God doing for Rahab? Rahab didn't suffer the judgment that the rest of her neighbors did. And we would think, Rahab was the worst person in Jericho, and she gets to walk free? Some of you are maybe kind of a little bit mad. Where's the justice in that? The really nasty person got to go free, and all the innocent Jerichoites died in their beds. That's not cool. But this is what God is doing for us. And he's doing all of the world. He says, leave your past behind. Leave even the shame that has defined you and separated you from others. Leave that behind and come and receive a new identity. Come and receive a new home and come and receive a new hope. And how do we enter that hope? How do we enter that safe house? We enter in to God's promises. And Rahab and her whole family believed the promise. They sat in that house waiting for judgment to fall. And what fell on their house was redemption. You're saying, well, I'm not sure redemption happens. We hear a lot about it. We hear a lot about God saves people and God rescues people and God forgives people. But I'm just not feeling it. But what God calls us to do is believe his promises in the present and act on it. And because they acted in faith that day, they were rescued. And the story only gets better and better and better from this point on. But this next point I want us to think about. Faith leaves the future in God's hands. Maybe this is the hardest part for you to think about following after God and believing his words. Because it very well may be, and it has been this way for most of the church through most of history, as following after Jesus means life got worse rather than life got better. Think about our brothers and sisters in Africa. As they are baptized and profess their faith in Jesus, they are waving to their family, goodbye, I'm not one of you anymore, because they are disowned, and then they are quickly uh, sent to Jesus. They are martyred for their faith. And so we cannot stand up here, and, and if we are being faithful to God's word and faithful to you, we cannot just stand up here and say, believe God's promises because everything gets better after that. But we know that God redeems all things. He redeems us out of our sufferings. He is the one who brings resurrection to those who are dead and believe in him. Faith leaves the future in God's hands. And what did God do in this instance of redemption? God brought a a lady and her family home into the people of Israel. And it says she lived among Israel to this day. And that sort of points to what we looked at. Our first point was faith receives forgiveness for the past. It's very interesting that her name in verse 25 is Rahab the prostitute. What do you think of that? That's not fair. She's not Rahab the prostitute anymore. She's Rahab the, now the Israelite. Why would you dare to remind her and kind of poke her in the eye and say, check out Rahab. She's Rahab the prostitute. No, I think her name changed after this to Grandma Rahab. Because there's a very neat part of the story. And part of the Christmas story is this amazing grace of God that says to people, well, think about Joseph and Mary. 
Mary was a young woman. They were engaged to be married. Mary shows up pregnant. And Joseph freaks out. Number one, it wasn't me. Freak out number two is, well, then who was it? And it says Joseph, being a man of character, was going to divorce her quietly so that he wouldn't share her sin and that she wouldn't be necessarily uh, destroyed for her sin. But then Joseph has a dream, and the angel comes to her and says something very amazing. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is born in her was born by the Holy Spirit. But God's been saying a similar thing to two other men in this family line of Jesus that I want us to think about. Is what happened to Rahab after she was settled in Israel. Well, we flip over to Ruth chapter 4. And we read this. I got chills when I first, first read this. As Paul Harvey used to say, and now for the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. Ruth is a super tiny book. That's why I can't, can't find it. <clears throat> now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Amminadab, Amminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. So far so good. Flip over to Matthew 1. Here We're going to do a little Bible uh, adventure here. It gets even better than that. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. Did you hear that? Who was David's great-grandma? Rahab. There was this guy named Salmon who was, saw Rahab come in to God's people that day. And everybody knew what she was. Everybody knew where she lived. She probably still looked like what she was when she came to set up camp in Israel. And we don't know how many years later, but sometime uh, in the future, Salmon looked over at this woman and no longer saw her as Rahab, the prostitute. He saw her as Rahab, the one whom God had redeemed. And he took her and made her his wife and kept covenant with her, and they had a child. Do not be afraid to take this woman. And the gospel says to the church, do not be afraid to take this man. Do not be afraid to take this woman, for what's being done in their life is born of God. Listen how the Apostle Paul talks to his friends about their church and who belongs in it. This is in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So this is the naughty list. This is who doesn't belong because they're so sinful, but then he kills it. In the next verse, you know what he says? And such were 
some of you. So as people come to Jesus Christ, they come and they're redeemed by faith in Him. They come and are brought into God's community through baptism and they live their faith together. What do we see? Faith receives forgiveness from the past. And then together, the former alcoholics, the former homosexuals, the former thieves, the former greedy, the former haters, the former uh, tax cheats and embezzlers, we now call them brother. We now call them sister. And the story of grace keeps overturning the story of our shame. So much so that the very next generation we read after Salmon and, and Rahab is Boaz, their son, finds a lady from Moab, non-Israelite. She's a widow. She's all alone. She could be easily abused and easily take advantage of. And a man of character steps up and does the right thing and takes this woman. Who is that woman? Her name is Ruth. Boaz says, come, I will provide for you. Come, I will clothe you. I will cover your shame of widowhood. I will cover your shame of being outcast in Israel. Come and take my name. Come and take your place in the family. And we find that in each of these stories, these people have become the family of Jesus. And the message to us this morning, if we are ones who are wrestling with our shame and what has been done to us or what we have done, and we say, I can never belong because of you fill in the blank. But because of God's grace that takes even society's worst. And then together we discover the grace of God and we sit under God's teaching and we hear God's hope and we even discover while we're sitting in here that we in fact are the worst. Because as God shows us our Savior and it shows us His beauty and shows us His goodness, we start to see how broken and how wrong we are. And that it even becomes even more hopeful for us than we ever believed because we begin to see how deeply wrong we were and we could never correct it. And we could never make ourselves clean and we could never make ourselves belong. And yet God has got a hold of our story and he takes a red light and instead he makes it a red cord. A sign of belonging to him, a sign of being rescued by him. So this morning, if you are living in shame and you think, how could God include me? Hear this story and believe God's promises in the present. That he gives people a home, even regardless of where they used to live and what they used to do. God brings them home. And this morning, if you're a Christian and maybe you're struggling with feeling smug about what you've never done and what you would never do and you would never associate with certain people, allow the grace and the gospel of God to break down your sense of goodness. And turn that, breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back, instead of lifting your arms up to God and say, how did you include me? That we recover the wonder of the gospel, not just, we're the kind of church that teaches the gospel, we're not like that kind of church. No, that we're the kind of people that are amazed by God's goodness and by God's grace, and that we're never shocked when God does this sort of thing, and that this church would be full We'd be able to say about all these kind of struggles, all this kind of brokenness, all this kind of sin, and such were some of you. And this grace that takes our past and forgives us, forgives it, is also powerful enough to enable to put those sins that presently hold us captive and define our lives, that we can actually put those in the past as well. 
And that together as God's people, grasping God's promise and God's love, we can start to look like Jesus. And in fact, that's what's happening all over the world, and that is what God's grace does. It takes us where we are, what used to define us, and now it includes us in God's redemption, that God is restoring things that were broken and ruined, and yet there is hope. Because listen to what he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, which means set apart for a new purpose of holiness. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, he looks at you as if you had not sinned at all. And by the Spirit of our God, that God is even willing to live in the lives of people who used to be full of so much crap, and yet now they're filled with so much love and so much grace because of Jesus. So this morning, by faith, receive forgiveness for the past. This morning, by faith, believe God's promises in the present. And by faith, leave the future in His hands. And He is faithful. He will do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the story of grace that is rewriting the stories of people all over the world and throughout history. We thank you for these tough cases that you've included in Scripture so that we would not rule ourselves out of your redemption, that we would not say, well, it's just for the people to get their act together and sort of sign up for the program and and do their little duties and sing their little songs and put stuff in the offering. Uh, Hope is for those people. We rejoice that hope is for all kinds of people and that we shouldn't rule ourselves out. We should hear this promise. We should see these pictures of grace, even in the Old Testament, of who you've taken and who you've brought home. And that Jesus, our Savior, was not ashamed to share the family tree of ones such as Rahab. And in fact, he is not afraid to call brothers those like ourselves who struggle with sin still. He calls us brothers, and he fights alongside of us. He fights for us, and in fact, he has died for us to take the punishment of our sin upon him so that all the blessings of belonging to God could belong to us. And so we believe we take these promises by faith, and we take our hope by faith, and we take our new name and our new identity by faith. Enable us at IGC to walk together in this kind of gospel humility that realizes that we are deep down, though maybe it's never popped to the surface, we really are all kinds of terrible things in our thinking and in our wishing and in our doing. And you want to cleanse us and make us new and welcome us into your family. Humble us and then lift us up as we rejoice in your grace, which takes big sinners and shows off your big grace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.